hour and a half, and we're, I think we're going to, hour and 15 minutes, we should be out of here. Oh, we, uh, <clears throat> we talk about, I mentioned this earlier, we talk about this being a family room. And as I was studying this week, thinking about going over the things that were on my heart, <clears throat> I knew it was the end of vacation Bible school this last week, and, or that this Sunday was going to be the Sunday after. I knew they were going to have a little bit to share. I knew school was starting again, and uh, the Lord has just, I mean, you guys have been here for any length of time, you know, but he's just really quickened in my heart um, the importance of the next generation coming up and the gospel being poured into them, sown into them as seeds, and this, this morning is no different. There's just a lot of little things that I was, you know, we thought about we're going to do a half a do- or a few songs and the kids are going to say a verses and then we're going to talk about teachers and students going to school and, um, well, there's not a lot of time left for a sermon, you know, when, when we got to have the sermon because, you know, uh, when Paul told us how to do church, he said, you got to have announcements and then you need to sing songs and, and I guess that wasn't Paul, but we got to have an hour message and, and it's, you know, this is, this is our time as a family together, as iron sharpens iron, we're talking about things, but we're, I don't want to devalue, um, you know, we, we ship the kids off to their classrooms and everybody's talking, I've heard a half a dozen people this week talk about, how, oh boy, I'm ready for my kids to go back to school. That's fine, but that's the most important thing we do in this life is raise up the next generation. We pass on a legacy of faith. I want to read a little bit of what Jesus said to his disciples about children, and then I got a few thoughts, and we'll wrap it up. We're not going to be real long today. Luke chapter 9, if you got your Bibles, we're going to read verse 46 through 48, and then we're going to skip right in the same book over to Luke, Luke chapter 18. In Luke 9, 46, we read that a dispute arose among them. This is talking about the disciples, about who, which of them would be the greatest. And I mean, just that sentence, in, it's like, well, they were definitely humans. <laughs> a dispute, I mean, you could say as a, that was just the disciples. Was that the disciples of 2023 or the disciples of the first century? Same could be said. A dispute arose among them as to which would be the greatest. Jesus, perceiving the thoughts of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. Said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. Jesus placed a high value on kids In fact, he told the 12 that he had appointed or was going to appoint as apostles, he said, you all value behind this one in practice and function, this little one. He's like, just to show you, this is the highest value. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, reads, then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. When the disciples saw it, They rebuked them. Verse 16, Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. You can almost hear in the way that Jesus said that, there was a firmness. He wasn't messing around. He said, no, no, you let the little children come to me. 
Don't stop the little children. They, do you not remember what I said? It wasn't chapter and verse then, but nine chapters ago. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. Jesus placed a high value on the next generation, on kids. We've talked about this in depth before. I'm not going to re-preach everything from it, but kids are predisposed to belief. Adults were predisposed to doubt. Kids will believe. I mean, they just, they naturally, someone they trust, if you tell them something, it doesn't matter how ridiculous it might sound, they're just predisposed to believe. They're natural believers. They haven't been tainted. They haven't begun to rust by the salt and the corrosion of this world, they're still pure. We'll just believe. Mom said that. We believe it. We're adults. We're predisposed to doubt, aren't we? How many kids, you don't have to raise your hands, but just think back. How many kids under the age of 10 have you heard say, I doubt it? It, Probably none. My daughter is, she's going on 30, so I've heard it once or twice out of her mouth. But Most kids, you don't say, I doubt it. Yeah, that's exciting. When they hear something out of this world, their first reaction's not, "Ah, I doubt that. Well, Dad said we're going out for ice cream tonight. That's so exciting. I tell Melinda we're going to go out, and she's like, I doubt it. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. We, see, because we've been, as adults, we've been conditioned. We've been let down repeatedly by people and by things in this world. And so our doubt it grows big and strong where our believer is like, I don't know, I don't really get much use anymore. Believe, but we doubt. Boy, we can doubt with the best of them. I think about these kids that are coming up that we're raising. You know, like I said in the beginning, this is our family room. And so I have... I have hit the backspace button and held it more this week than I've hit the keys typing things. And I've got a lot of different thoughts. We're not going to get to all of them, but I hope that they're able to communicate to you the importance of imparting the gospel to the next generation. In our day and age, we like fast, don't we? We like things to go quick. The, uh, we ordered something from... Uh, an unnamed distributor, and it arrived within like 20 hours of when we ordered it. And I was like, man, you know, it could have been here earlier. I could have used it. (laughs) We're our instant society. Unfortunately, that's affected ministry. That's affected our model of ministry. What can we do to grow fast? What can we do to grow quickly? I was thinking about Vacation Bible School, and I knew that there was not going to be every kid that was here this week for Vacation Bible School here this morning. And it's a small group. It looks bigger if they spread clear out, but it's a fairly small group of kids, isn't it? I mean, compared to we're going to go to the Fulton County Fair in a couple of weeks, and it's like thousands and thousands of people, and we got a few kids. In our day-to-day It's easy to sit in a leadership discussion and say, how can we get more people? How can we grow a thing bigger? How can we grow a thing faster? And I dare say Jesus wasn't into fast growth. He placed a high value on kids. They weren't going to go do anything very quickly at all. They weren't going to go riot. They weren't going to go, they didn't have a, a value in the Roman system. They were just kids. But if he got the gospel into those kids, 
Jesus established this model of playing the long game. He got it from his father. See, the new covenant was 4,000 years in the making. God's, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. He's not, he's no, time is not a thing to him. He'll play the long game. When we think today, we think of seed time and harvest, we always think, or I tend to think, as a farmer, I think of a, a year's season, a growing season of a year, right? And this morning, it was late in the morning this morning, I was thinking about seed time and harvest, and we're sowing seeds into these kids. These kids represent seeds, right? They're a result of seeds, and they represent seeds in our culture. But I thought about, we sow seeds, the, the quick, short term is we plant a seed in the spring, we harvest the crop in the fall, boom, done. But you know, everything in human existence is seed time and harvest, for instance, an oak tree starts as an acorn. You know how long an oak tree takes to grow? You don't harvest an oak tree the next fall. I'll tell you that. There's a saying that an oak tree takes 300 years to grow and another 300 years to die. Whew. Now that's the long game. My grandpa planted a lot of trees, and I never realized what a man of faith he was until the end of his life, towards the end of his life. But I should have seen it, because when he was planting trees that had a 300-year or 600-year lifespan, and now that's faith. You plant a tree, and you're, you ain't going to see it. Your kids ain't going to see it. Your grandkids ain't going to see it to its end. An acorn is playing the long game. An acorn is playing the long game. As we train up these children in the way they should go, are we drawn to the quick growth? Or do we look at it as we, we value the kids that we have to pour into and say, instead of getting more, let's grow them up into disciples. Let's play the 600-year long game with them. Let's train up these kids that we have to teach vacation Bible school, to teach in our little classrooms in the back that are too small and they're loud and sometimes we hear them up here. Let's train them up to be disciples so that they can train their kids up to be disciples. We could grow, we could get exciting real fast, generate a lot of energy, get people to come. Woo, it's exciting. They spent a lot of money. They did a lot of exciting, fascinating things, but it's over quick. I was hoping Danny Markley was going to be here this morning just because Danny, uh, anybody here ever been to a Danny Markley campfire? Handful of people. They're not something you go to if you got like a few minutes. It's not a, it's not a short thing. It's a long thing. His fire ring is about this tall, like from the stage height. And it's big around, and I've seen many campfire rings there where that thing is glowing red. And I, I was thinking, you know, this is campfire season. This is all tying together. Just bear with me, church. Like I said, this is a family room, and I, I surrendered to the Lord this morning. I said, I'm going to share all these little pieces, and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to help put it together here for you. When, this is campfire season, and my kids, if you've, anybody here ever been to a campfire with kids? Doesn't have to be Markley's, anywhere. Markley campfires aren't really for kids anyways. If, if you, I can pick on him because he's not here. If 
if you've been at a campfire with kids and there's pine needles anywhere near, it's like a moth to a flame. There's pine needles and a fire. And you carry pine needles to the fire, you put them on and whoosh, they, blow, they burn real quick, don't they? And they sparkle and crack, and then, but then they're over pretty quick. But then if you give, you ever, you ever used a newspaper to start a fire? You wad the newspaper up and boy, it burns quick. And it, it's bright, just take a little spark, it's bright and it shines and it's pretty for a little while. Kids get excited. My kids get excited when I tell them they can throw their paper plate in the fire. Because they throw it in and then they stand there. Whoosh, and it burns. And then it's over, which is good because they have short attention spans. But how many kids get excited when you carry over two big chunks of oak? Two big chunks of dry oak. There's, I mean, they're yay big around and this long and you throw them on the fire and nothing exciting happens. They just sit there. My kids sometimes think I put the fire out. Dad, you put the fire out. No, it's just wait. Give it about four hours and it'll be beautiful. A big, nice, big fire. See, kids don't get excited. As, as humans, when, when we lack maturity, we want the flashbang, exciting things. Like, make it go fast. Let's grow a church fast. Let's get a, let's get a, whole, let's get a thousand kids up here. Well, I'm telling you, church, I would rather equip 20 or 30 kids to be disciples than have a thousand kids to entertain for a few days. Because we can effect change in the world with a few disciples. Jesus lit the world on fire with 11 guys. There was 12, but one of them didn't pan out. Immediately following what we read in Luke chapter 18, we see where Jesus places a high value. They said they brought him infants, little babies. They bring the babies to him that he might touch them. They understood that these parents understood the value of a touch from Jesus' hand. The disciples are like, no, 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 we'll review, keep the kids away. This is, this, is, this is important stuff. This is not for the kids. And Jesus is like, oh, no, no, no. This is for the kids. You step out of the way for a second. Right following this, does anybody know what comes next? The story of the guy that we know as the rich young ruler. It's almost recorded as if to place in, it's like putting emphasis. Jesus says, these little ones matter. If they don't, they wind up like this guy. You read, it's right in there, you see, it's, he values these little kids. And then we walk right into the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, someone had brought that man up in the Mosaic law, but it had not been used properly. If our takeaway from the law is, yeah, you can do it, which is how that young man had been brought up, because he tells the Lord, he's like, yeah, I've done all that from my youth. I'm, I got it. You weren't taught the law right, son. It matters. It's almost an exclamation point on what Jesus said earlier about the value of these young kids. The law was designed as a schoolmaster to bring us to the end of ourselves, not as a punch list that you're capable of keeping to attain eternal life. Training up our children in the way they should go is not about just giving them the best arguments to prove that we are right. It's about training them up with the purest form of the gospel. It's playing the long game. Flash pan ministry, newspaper fire ministry, it's not for us. We're called to the long game, church. We're called to send out all of you who stood up as teachers and administrators, as people that are involved in the education of the kids. You know, we're going to pray for you next year. 
We're going to pray for you the next year. We're going to pray for you through this year. We're going to pray for you the following year. We're going to keep sending these kids out as emissaries, carrying the gospel, representing Jesus Christ. Not representing Revelation Rock. It's just the name of a little group of us. They're representing the gospel. You're going out representing the gospel, playing the long game, being, viewing ministry as the chunk of oak on the fire. It's going to take a while. You see, we talked about this a long time ago. Evil, the powers of evil have been playing the long game for a long time. And you see, the Pew Research Center did a study reported in December of 2021, says self-identified Christians, take that for what it's worth, but self-identified Christians made up 63% of the population in the United States of America. 63% of this country claimed to be a Christian. Ten years before, it was 75 in 10 years that has dropped of people that are claiming to be a Christian. I don't even know if they know Jesus. That's just what they're saying, that they're Christians. Are we going the right direction? No, we've been playing the short game. Here's the problem with the short game, church. You light a newspaper fire and it's over in five minutes. There goes another percent. We can get exciting But if we don't play the long game, sow the acorn seeds, plant the gospel, root these kids, this little little, two little rooms back there, that's the most important thing that we do here at Revelation Rock. We're getting the acorn seed. You know, there's a whole bunch. I was reading this week because I had nothing else going, so I read about raising up oak trees. It's not a simple thing. The woods makes it look easy. It's not easy. Like if you decide, you go home today and you're like, I'm going to raise an oak tree. Pack a lunch. It's a lot involved. You don't just take an acorn and put it in the ground and it grows. There's a few things you got to do if you want the thing to germinate and grow and everything. It's involved. This is involved. This takes time. It takes commitment. It takes teachers to show up week after week after week after week that care about the gospel, not just like, I don't know, like we could have suckers. I'm for suckers, by the way. I like suckers. I'm not mad at that at all. But it takes, it's a process, church. Vacation Bible school. There is people that put tons of hours into making Vacation Bible School what it is. It doesn't happen overnight, does it, Jill? It's a big deal. It's a way bigger deal to get 30 people or whoever, however many it was to contribute to make Vacation Bible School happen than for some guy to prepare a couple of sermons to talk about for an hour and we all forget about it in a week. We're planting acorns, church, We're playing the long game. We're throwing the big chunks of oak onto the fire, and we're going to see change. I assure you, the tide is turning. I don't know what those percentage numbers are going to do in my lifetime, but I'm playing the 600-year game. We're planting oak trees. They take 300 years to grow. You know, you can't even harvest an oak tree in less than like 120 years. They plant an oak tree. That's great. Hopefully your grandkids or great-grandkids own that piece of dirt, and it's like this big around You can get six boards out of that. Or you let it grow a couple hundred years, now you got an oak tree. We're going to change this thing. That's hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We on this earth right now, at this particular point in time, we are representing heaven. 
We're here representing heaven. We're representing heaven for our kids, for our grandkids, for our nieces, for our nephews, for the kids that are in this church. If you're here, this is your family, you are responsible for representing heaven to them accurately. That's awesome. It's also a little challenging. That's like, oh, makes us think a little bit. It matters so much what we pour into these kids. You see, and Tom and I have talked about this longer, or different times more than probably he wanted to. I, he's really good at listening, though. He's, he's listened a lot to me. The difference between sight and vision. You see, we often are limited to just what we see, what we see in front of us. I compared these earlier, the newspaper fire to the, one, the campfire like Danny builds that you put all kinds of hardwood in. And you know what? The next morning for him to start another fire, all he's got to do is walk by and drop one piece of wood on. And that sucker goes right up. Because the coals, they carry over. That's generational ministry, church. That's what it looks like. A fire that leaves coals to start the fire in the morning, that's a ministry with vision. Burning newspapers, they're bright, they're quick, they're pretty. There's no lasting coals. There's nothing to carry the fire through the night. Anybody look back at history? You're familiar with something called the Dark Ages? There's nights of this life. There's nights in our life. There's nights for us as believers today. You can maybe think back to a season of your life that you're like, I think that was maybe the night. That was pretty dark. If we understand the gospel, it carries through the night. Our faith carries through. The flames are gone. The sunshine might be gone. It might get dark. It might get hard. It might be difficult. There might be things we don't understand. But if we understand the gospel, that will carry us through. That will propel us, and we will come out the other side ready to blaze. Things that go quick, they go from zero to a thousand in moments but they're left with no coals to carry over. It is time for us as believers to minister the gospel with vision. Not, you're like, great, preach another vision sermon. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us. I can't do, you you can get the most polished, eloquent preacher in the world and stand up here and you can get a bunch of people for a while, but if the people aren't ministering the gospel, they'll all be gone in a couple of years. If you want to talk, we can talk afterwards. I can give you countless examples of this. The flashbang things where it's like, whoo, that's exciting. You get a bunch of people and then, but if the people, if if we aren't walking the gospel, if we aren't carrying the gospel, see you guys and me, when we're not here, we're ministering the gospel. This is 1%. It's time for us as believers Not as preachers, but as believers, people who know Jesus, to walk bold, to walk and minister with vision. There's a whole bunch of different thoughts. We're going to wrap it up here. You know, We talked a little bit about acorns and oak trees, didn't we? Yeah, 200 years of age to five to 700 years for an oak tree. You know a pine tree 
you can harvest a pine tree in 25 years, 25 to 45 years. You're like, what is this? Like, we're not starting a forest here, church. I just want, there's some pictures here I want you to think about. Uh, pine, that's all things depending. 25 to 45 years for a pine tree, you can harvest them. You can grow them in groves. Oak trees, you can't grow in groves. They got to be out. There's an interesting, some paradigms here. An oak tree has got to be out in the forest. There's got to be all kinds, multi-species got to be around for an oak tree to grow well. You can't just plant a whole row of oak trees and they all do really well. They'll get diseases and bugs and all kinds of stuff. Pine trees, they just grow quick. Grow up quick. Now, uh, I'm not going to ask for exact numbers, but I know there's a handful of carpenters in this room that will vouch for the difference in value between a piece of oak and a piece of pine. Pine's cheap. It's not super cheap anymore. I mean, compared to what it used to be, but compared to oak, dried oak today, whoo, it's a huge difference. But how many of you know that there's a difference in what those pieces of wood can do? Not just in a campfire, but we're going to build something. You take some hardwood that's grown for 300 years, the grain's really, really, really super tight, which means it's hard to nail nails into. It's hard to put screws in. But once it's in place, it's structurally much stronger it has a higher value when it's built and completed than does the cheap, light, 35-year-old tree. The valuation differential that's present in that discussion is present in how we do ministry. When, a building, when building a structure, the old oak timbers, in fact, oak timbers that came out of another building that have been, they've been done being a tree for 150 years they were used in a building, then they come out of that building, they still have incredible value, as long as they don't have like, you know, bugs in them and whatnot. There's a value in these old, long game oak trees. You see, we're equipping this next generation to build their house of faith, church. A house, a house of faith that will weather the storms of this life. I want to equip them to build them out of oak. I want them to build one that's going to last. That when the winds blow, the house may creak a little. My house has creaked some. But it just stands. The seeds we sow into this next generation, they're not just for the next few years. They're seeds that will perpetuate the kingdom of God on the earth, provide a strong structure to the houses of faith that the next generation Children and grandchildren build and reside in during the storms of this earthly life. You and I are all here as a result of seeds that were sown. If you're here today and you know Jesus, you're standing on somebody else's shoulders. We're here as a church on a whole bunch of other people's shoulders. There was three men in my life that valued me the way Jesus did. There was more than that, but there were three massively influential men going all the way back to when I was a little kid, the pastor of the church where I grew up at, he valued me highly. He instilled the value of the word of God in my life. He didn't try to teach me what to think. He sought to teach me how to think, to go to the word of God. He didn't have all the answers. I just spoke with him, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago now. And he's like, I didn't... I, I hope I didn't tell you, lead you to believe that I had all the answers. We don't have to, we're not going to have all the answers. If we think we do, we're going to lead people astray. But what value do we place on this next generation? And there's another pastor 
that believed in me. He saw value in me when nobody else did. He said, I'd like you to help with our ministry. And I'm like, great. I didn't know anything about ministry. I didn't really know anything about serving people. And I learned a lot from him. He valued me. I was a kid, but he placed me in a position of value. He said, you are worth this. And then you all know Jerry. He saw value in me. Even in my questions, I was in a place where I had more questions than answers. I had questions for every answer he gave me. If he gave me one answer, I had two questions. Boom, boom. And I could do that all day. It was just question after question after question. But Jerry believed in me. He valued me. He said, you're worth me sitting on this pontoon pontoon boat for another two hours and talking about more questions. You see, you might not think the person that you're ministering to, the young person that you're ministering to, whether they're a small child, a younger child, or like me, a middle-aged child, you may, you may not think, I don't know, we, I don't know if they're really going to go change the world. They are. If you value them properly, they will. If you treat a child just like a little kid, that's all you're going to get. Just a little kid. But if you value them like Jesus did and you said, oh, no, no, you sit up here. You sit up here. This is for you. This gospel is for you. This ministry is for you. This church is for you. This isn't about us getting a bunch more adults to come here. This is about getting the gospel out there. The most effective way we can do that is in those two little rooms right back there. And it's through Grace Camp. And it's through Youth Group on Wednesday nights. I'm not devaluing any of you. Please don't hear that you're being devalued. But we're only going to be here so long. The potential in front of those guys, on the, those kids in this earth, is much greater than ours. Can I get an amen? That's not a bad thing. We're going to go see Jesus. I'm excited about this church. I, we took this Sunday, we talked about Vacation Bible School. We talked about teachers and students going back to school and everybody helping with that. It's a big deal. We've been commissioned as disciples and disciple makers. If you're here today and you know Jesus, you believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. You are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. You're not going to be that someday. If you put faith in Jesus, you are that. As he is, so are you, which means you're a representative. We got a commission We're commissioned to equip, to make disciples. My wife has a shirt that says, Raising Tiny Disciples. It's kind of a fun, I I always smile at that. And so we got three little tiny disciples. We're trying to raise them up. The most important ministry we'll ever do is in our home. And that goes for every one of us. Most important ministry you will ever do is in your home. And then it's in your circle of people. And it just keeps going out. And it's through each of those levels that we do. The most important ministry I'm ever going to do is to raise up three kids that know Jesus. I have no idea where those kids are going to go or what they're going to do, who they're going to impact. The gospel, who are they going to share the gospel with? Who is this row of kids that was up here today? Who are they going to impact? You know, we have no ability to even conceive all the lives that will be touched by this stage of little kids. No concept. They could go anywhere. And they will. It's our job to equip them. I just encourage you, get involved. Share the gospel. 
Talk about the gospel at home. If you're a parent here today or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle, get involved. Talk about the gospel. Ask questions yourself. Ask, don't, don't think, well, I'm not going to ask a question I can't answer. That's kind of echo chamber life. Ask all the questions. Go looking for them. Go looking for the answers. Help the next generation to be equipped in the word of God. It's not a, this isn't a pressure thing. You know, we don't, we don't really do pressure here. This is an opportunity. This is the greatest opportunity next to being born again that we have. Is to perpetuate the gift that we've received onto the next generation. Help them ask questions. Help them find the answers. You may, you may think, that's a little, I don't know, my kids are real smart. They're going to ask hard questions. Awesome. Help them find the answers. Say, you know what, honey, I'm not sure, but we'll find it. If you've got to call somebody, call somebody. Dig into the word. This is where in this are contained all of the answers to all of life's questions. Paul encourages Timothy to become a steward of this word. A steward, rightly dividing the word of truth. Helping them to find the gospel in it. Helping them to find the gospel in the Exodus story, in the creation story, and all the way through to Revelation. I'm wrapping up here. I just pray, it's an opportunity for it. Why don't you stand? We're gonna, we're gonna be done here. I'm, I can go on and on. I'm excited about this. We got more Sundays to talk about this. This isn't, Tom sometimes has reminded me, you know, you have more Sundays you can preach. <laughs> I think that was a length of sermon jab sometimes, but... This is an opportunity, church. This is an opportunity that we have to sow into the next generation, whether it's through things like LifeWise, things like Vacation Bible School, things like uh, Grace Camp, things like Sunday School week after week. Tremendous opportunities. But the most important opportunity that you and I have to carry the gospel forward is in our homes. I invite you. I encourage you. Take that opportunity. Bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much that you have not left us as orphans. You sent the Holy Spirit, your spirit, the third person of the Godhead, which is a concept we can only sort of think a little bit about. We can't understand it, but you sent your spirit and you're here right now. You've promised to never leave us and to never forsake us. No matter how dark the night gets, no matter how hard it rains, no matter how many things we are not sure of and walking by faith in, Father, I thank you that you will never leave us. We don't have to ask you to go with us when we leave this place, but Father, we are thankful that you have promised to go with us. Father, I, I just pray that uh, the fire that is burning at Revelation Rock in the hearts and the minds of us as believers, that it would be an all-night big chunk of oak fire. We're helping to the, equip this next generation to build houses of faith that are strong, that will endure the storms that they would walk all the days of their life as believing believers, trusting in you. We sang so many good songs this morning. Father, I just think about, I trust in you. I called, you answered. Father, we worship you in the way that we spend our time, the words that we speak to our children. Father, give us boldness, give us courage. Isaiah 26 talks about keeping us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on the, as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, as friends. Help us to 
display peace to the next generation. When they look around and they see turmoil, Father, let us, let us show them peace that we have in you. Father, I thank you for each man, woman, and child that's in this room. Thank you so much for the littles that are in the back. Pray a blessing over each person that's involved in teaching them here at Revelation Rock and even abroad. Lord, I just pray a blessing over their lives. They would go forth with the boldness of a lion, knowing that they are right with you because they've been properly taught the word of God that we have been stewards of. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week.